0: The following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Colossians entitled, Jesus Over Everything. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. Hear the word of the Lord from Colossians 3, 17-19. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. As Ben said, if you uh, are not signed up to what we call Realm, it's one of the main ways that we pass on information, pass on teachings, pass on podcasts, pass on different things to you. And so um, all week long, we've been passing on information Um, regarding some of the racial reconciliation work that we've done uh, over the past few years, some of the teachings that we've done, some of the books that we uh, recommend starting out and reading. So we we do want you to go there and check that out um, and and find those resources and hopefully uh, begin to educate yourself on it. Um, But on a Sunday morning like this, we have a tradition here at Sacred City of choosing a book of the Bible and then just patiently working our way book or chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book and that's what we're going to continue to do this morning. If you're new here, my name's Justin and I'm one of the pastors here and for the last several months we've been studying this ancient letter written by the apostle Paul of Tarsus to the small Christian church of Colossae, a city which is now and it's it's in modern-day Turkey. And this letter is one of the most important letters ever written. It shows us how and why Christianity went from a small, predominantly Jewish sect to a worldwide phenomenon, overtaking even the nation of Rome who sanctioned and legalized and carried out the unjust crucifixion of Jesus. Paul tells us this all happens because Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. And as the Son of God, Jesus left heaven, humbled himself by becoming fully man, and as a man, humbled himself even further by becoming a poor dark-skinned man born and raised in a small backwoods Middle Eastern town called Nazareth that people literally said has anything good came from Nazareth. Jesus Jesus then does the unthinkable. He humbles himself even further by taking the place of sinners and submitting himself to death. And not just any form of death, the worst form of death imaginable, death naked on a cross. Jesus, the Son of God, dies a brutal death on the cross in order to free us from the penalty of our sins and set us free from our captivity to sin. Colossians tells us Jesus did this in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is the core message of the gospel. There's even more. Jesus, of course, is resurrected from the dead, defeating death. He overthrows Satan, the ruler of this world, and he, quote, delivers us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In Jesus' death and resurrection, he, quote, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And 40 days after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, his apostles witnessed him ascend back into heaven to take his rightful place at the right hand of God the Father to rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Which as we've learned means right now, Jesus is sitting in the control room of the universe. From this control room, Jesus is orchestrating a final and total renewal of the entire cosmos. The redemption and renewal and restoration plan of Jesus is more than just private and personal and devotional. It's cosmic in scale. The book of Revelation tells how this story ends. It will end with people from every nation, every tribe, every skin color, every tongue standing before the throne of Jesus singing, holy, holy, holy. The entire heavens and all the earth will be made new, restored to a glory that none of us have ever known and the mind of man can barely even imagine. All sin, gone. All pain, removed. All loss, eradicated. All racism, driven out. All injustice, over. And everyone will know Jesus did this. Paul has shown us in Colossians, the church of Jesus is to be a foretaste of that eternal kingdom. This group here, those of us who are in Christ, scattered across this lawn, sitting under this tent, we are a community of sinners made saints, unholy people who have been made holy by the grace of Jesus. Jesus has made us new, so now we live out new lives. We live out the principle of the kingdom of Jesus in our day-to-day life. That means we are governed by Jesus in all our affections, all our desires, all our attitudes, all our philosophies, all our wisdom, all our thinking, all our behavior. And when we fall short of these glorious ideals, we must repent, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us. And I say all that to say this, the gospel of Jesus is far more than a spiritual message about the afterlife. It's more than a ticket to heaven or a way to have your psychological struggles removed, removed from you. It's a message that's meant to reach into every aspect of your life and rearrange things to drive out every bias It's why last week we read that Paul gave this short, all-encompassing family motto to the church, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is a general statement. Paul is now going to go from the general to the specific. He's gonna show us what many call the house rules for the Christian. So what does it mean to do everything in the name of Jesus? What does that look like in the day-to-day life? Well, Paul's gonna show us week in and week out over the next few weeks. Today, we're going to see what the universe-renewing gospel of Jesus looks like when it comes home. In the first place Paul starts, is with the marriage relationship between the husband and a wife. We're going to read this text again. If you could open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Listen, I'm going to. Our world right now is so divided, so divided. And the predominant force, it feels like to me right now, is to divide us into camps, to separate us based upon what cable news channel you prefer, to pump so much propaganda into your mind that you have all kind of triggers. You hear someone say one word and immediately you assume their motives. You assume that they've been politicized. You assume that they've got some kind of ulterior thing going on that's meant to get you to vote a certain way. And we're bringing that into the church on the left side and on the right side. And I know it's hard. I can't say that I'm free of it. But the kingdom of Jesus is different. And Jesus walked that line and he was not afraid to be characterized as a right-wing zealot maybe, nor was he afraid to be characterized as a bleeding heart liberal. Jesus walked the line and you you look at his life and you could choose, oh clearly he's this, oh clearly he's that. He's uncategorizable. He's separate. He's about the kingdom of Jesus. And that's how we must be. And so I'm gonna, last week I said some things that probably triggered you. This week on some of my posts and podcasts, I said some things that probably triggered you. If you're on a certain camp, and now today I'm gonna say some things that are triggering people in the other camp. I'm here to preach word of God. I am not primarily a Republican. I am not primarily a Democrat. I am a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm here to do. And that's what I'm going to do, I pray, Lord helping, Lord willing, this morning. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. In this text, wives are given one command, and Christians are give, or Christian husbands are given two. Again, this is all well. Now, before I get into this text in detail, I want to make sure you understand some things. First, these are the house rules for the Christian marriage. These rules, these commands are not meant to be binding on non-Christians. Hear me. This is not a this is not written to the world. This is written to the Christian church. These are not meant to be legalized by political courts and forced on all people and all society. Secondly, these are house rules. They're meant to govern the Christian home. They are not speaking of what happens outside the home in the realms of politics or business or any other sphere of society. Third, these rules, these commands, these roles are not socially conditioned rules That spring out of an ancient patriarchal society that now need to be updated according to our current progressive ideas of what marriage is or is not. Listen, let me show you this. These rules for the home that Paul lays out here, specifically towards the men, were at the time of this writing, were counter cultural, they were highly offensive to the ideas to the pre-modern man. When the pre-modern man heard this command, he would have been triggered. These commands went against the prevailing notions of manhood at the time because they are rules that stem from the kingdom of Jesus and not the kingdom of man. So let's look at what is meant to happen when the gospel comes home with the Christian wife and the Christian husband. First, we see this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Notice this command is given to wives, not woman, not women. It is not a command for all women to be submissive to men. This is a rule for the Christian marriage between a Christian man and a Christian woman. The Christian wife, is to submit to her husband as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I, we, let's take a look at that word that most likely offends you. The word submit, first off, let's see that it is submit. It is not more common words of the day, words like obey. It is not obey, it is submit. It means to be in submission to another. Submission, under the mission. It is in the words of New Testament scholar Douglas Moo, quote, a voluntary, hear that, a voluntary willingness to recognize and put oneself under the leadership of another. So before you get too offended about that, wives are to come under the mission. They are to come under the leadership of their Christian husband. Before we get too offended, I want you to remember this. We need to understand this biblically. This is not the only place where the word submission gets thrown around. Jesus, the eternal son of God, the perfect man, submitted himself to the will of his father that I didn't come to accomplish my mission, I came to accomplish his mission, submission to the Father. Now listen, submission has nothing to do with talent. Submission has nothing to do with dignity, value, or worth. This is not saying men are somehow better Men are somehow more equipped to be leaders, or somehow better leaders, or smarter, or more educated, or stronger. Has nothing to do with that. Jesus, remember this? Co eternal with God. The fullness of deity dwelled bodily in Jesus. Jesus was fully God, just as smart just as omniscient, just as powerful, just as strong. But Jesus willingly submits himself in his flesh, in his season of this time on this earth. He comes under the mission of the Father and he accomplishes the mission of the Father. Jesus submits to the Father. So ladies, don't be worried that this means that you're somehow less of a human being or or less importance. Absolutely not. Secondly, every Christian is commanded to submit themselves to an elder. We're, you're all, all of us are commanded to be submissive to our elders and our pastors. This is why one of the reasons church membership is important, that you need an overseer over you who's looking over your soul. So we're, Christians are called to submit to their elders. But then in places like Ephesians 5.21, guess what? Christians are commanded submit to one another in love. And And also in Romans 13, Christians are commanded to submit to our governing authorities. So this is not some single category that just gets thrown on our Christian ladies. Submission is at the heart of the gospel. So the call for Christian wives to submit to their husbands is in line with what Jesus and all of his followers are to do to God and for each other. Ladies, Christian wives, God calls you to submit to and support the leadership of your husband in the home. And as you do, it points to Jesus Christ and his submission to the Father. It points back to the gospel. Now, there is a qualifier in there. This does not mean that you are to, quote, obey him in all things. We need a distinction there. Paul says, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, listen, this is interesting, actually. If you study the historical context that this was written in, this statement Feels like a get out of jail free card to the women that would, hurt, would have heard it in that day. This was an incredibly freeing statement to them. And that patriarchal society, women had to obey in all things, right? Paul says, not so for the Christian wife. She has a new master. She has a new liberty. Jesus is her new king, not her husband. So the Christian wife only submits to her husband as her husband submits to Jesus. That means, ladies, if your husband asks you to do something that is not in line with the vision and the values of Jesus, you do not comply out of submission. Your submission to Jesus actually demands that you not submit to your husband's wishes in that moment. In the same way, if our government asks us to do something that is out of step or out of line with the values of Jesus, we resist our government. We obey God rather than men. Now, what what does that look like? Well, sometimes we have a lot of times where a wife comes to know Christ in the marriage and the husband is not a Christian. The husband refuses to lead the family spiritually. He doesn't want anything to do with church. He doesn't want anything to do with community. Does it want anything to do with Jesus? And sometimes ladies read this and they say, well, I just need to submit to my husband and I'm just going to obey what he wants. And so I'm not going to go to the church. No, 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 no. You submit to Jesus first and you gather with other Christians and you come and you per- pursue Jesus. I've had ladies come to me and say, Pastor, my husband wants me to do sinful things with him. My husband wants me to watch pornography. Is it okay to do that with your husband? Absolutely not. We must submit to Jesus first. We follow Jesus's leadership. Now, ladies, if you're in a situation like this, we want you to reach out to the godly men that you know in this community, other godly men in your missional community. They can be on mission to your husband. They can come alongside and have a conversation. They can pray with him. They can help you. They can support you. The elders, the pastors are here. So seek us out for godly counsel in these situations. So, we wives, we submit to Jesus and we submit to our Christian husbands. And Paul goes on here to address the husbands in the church. And he says this two commands Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. First, love your wives. Now, some commentators believe that these commands given to the wives and the husbands, respectively, are the things that most go against our sinful natures. So, many wives, they are very hot, they're highly competent, driven women, and they want to lead and just run over their husbands. And many husbands would, would be completely happy letting them do that. You go, girl, do that. And their husbands sit back and abdicate their authority and let their wives lead. Paul says, no, Christian husband, love your wife. Pursue your wife. When this text was written, this command to men would literally have sounded like a cuss word in church. It's hard for us to imagine, but marriage in this time did not include love most of the time. It was a social arrangement meant to produce a family to strengthen the state. It was a moral duty to get married and have a family. Men tolerated their wives and loved, here it is, their lovers. They had lovers. Where do you think that word came from? That word came from. They had lovers on the side. Paul cuts across the cultural norms of that day and age and he says, men, love your wife and do not be harsh with her. That's the second command. Do not be harsh with her. Husbands, we are called by God to lead and love our wife with the gentle and lowly heart of Jesus that I talked about a little bit last week. We're to pursue her like Jesus pursues us. We're to lay our life down for her like Jesus lays our, his life down for us. And ladies, you're to submit and honor and respect and follow that leadership knowing that the only way he can do that is empowered by the grace of Jesus. So let me repeat these two commands for men and women, male and female, husband, wife. Listen, Christian wives, you are to submit and support your husband with the gentle heart of of Jesus. Husbands, you are to lead and love your wife with the gentle heart of Jesus. We do not speak to our wife like we speak to our bros. We do not speak to our wife like we speak, maybe even to our co workers or our buddies. We don't speak to her like we speak to people on the battlefield. We are not harsh and coarse. We are kind and humble and gentle and not domineering. Now, the question is, how do we do this? I realize some of you, this cuts right across your temperament. Good. It's evidence that the spirit's at work in you and it's not just, you're just a nice human being. You're just a well adjusted human being. This cuts across all personalities and says, let the Spirit of Jesus make you into a different man. Let the Spirit of Jesus make you into a different woman. So, how? How do we do that? One, we must pursue Jesus first and foremost. We must be Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused every time we get off course in our life. It's because we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put it on something else. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we just put it on our family. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we put it on our politics. We take our eyes off Jesus, we put it on our kids. We take our eyes off Jesus, we put it on our hobbies. We take our eyes off Jesus, we put it on our money. We must keep our eyes locked on Jesus. What does that look like? You might say, ladies, I, I am a strong, educated woman. How do you expect me in the 21st century to submit to my husband? To, that's like one step away from churning butter, right? That's like one step away, right? In, your, in our minds. Listen, by looking to Jesus. Listen, Jesus was the epitome of strength. And yet he used his strength in submission to his father. So what do you have to do? You have to go to scripture and you have to see Jesus submitting himself even unto death for you. See that, feel that, and you will be empowered to submit to your imperfect husband. And in that submission, you will find gospel joy that you didn't know was possible, a depth of relationship and love that you didn't know possible because love springs out of humility. Love does not spring out of demanding respect and demanding rights. Love springs from humility, Jesus shows us this. Now you might be a man and you might be able to say, how am I supposed to love my wife and be gentle with her when she constantly criticizes me and will not let me lead? By looking to Jesus. Jesus was the greatest leader the world has ever known. And yet we, His followers are a wayward and rebellious lot. We are often obstinate under his leadership. We say, Jesus, I'll follow you when I agree with you. Jesus, I'll follow you if I can put you in my category that I want to keep you in. Jesus, I'll follow you when all of your ideals and all of your statements and all of your beliefs and all of your teachings line up with what I was educated in my liberal arts education. When we say, Jesus, I listen to you when you, when you agree with me, we're not making any real statement there. All we're saying is, Jesus, I'll follow you when you're in line with me, thereby saying, I just follow myself. I'm leading me here. If Jesus is God, folks, we should expect he has opinions that are contrary to ours. Should we not expect that? If he has all the information in his quote-unquote brain, if he knows every in and out, he knows the backstory of every story, he knows the motive to every heart, he knows the right, right law, the right move in every case, shouldn't we... Expect him to cut across our ideals sometimes? Shouldn't we expect to be surprised by him, offended by him? If he's God, we should expect it. If he's a figment of our imagination, he should fit nice and neat in a category that we've created. So, How do you lead when you feel like your wife is digging her heels in and she doesn't want to follow? She doesn't want to help? She doesn't want to support? Look to Jesus and the way he has led us, that we fail to follow him when it costs us reputation, money, or influence. Some of us are afraid to speak up because we're afraid that somebody might think we're from the other party. So we're so afraid of being categorized as the other party that we won't step into something that Jesus is calling us into. And yet, what did Jesus do to his obstinate bride? He died for her. He cleansed her and washed her and regenerated her with his own blood. He laid his life down for us. That is leadership. That's humble, humble servant leadership. I'm preaching, baby. I'm preaching. See what Jesus has done for you, feel it in the core of your being. Until you feel it, don't speak. Work that down into your heart and it will stir your love for your wife. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't get abrasive. Don't get judgmental. Remind yourself how ignorant and obstinate and ill willed you are, and yet what Christ did for you. And it'll free you to lead in a gentle humility. And it'll put steel in your spine to love her and lead her in a gentle way, even when she pushes away from it. So first, we must pursue Jesus first and foremost. And second, we must be part of a local church. How do I learn to be a better husband? Sermons from the word of God teach me. Relationships with God's people teach me being a part of a missional community where people actually have access to my life and they can teach and they can admonish me. My MC leaders, my brothers in Christ can speak into my life when they see where I'm not leading out of a gentle, humble posture of leadership or I'm not submitting and following the way Jesus does. See, we all need voices of gospel reason and hope when our marriage starts to go sideways and the Christian cannot find that in the world. Listen, in the world, you typically find cheerleaders. If you're frustrated at your husband, you go to the world and you find cheerleaders and girl, whatever makes you happy, I support you. Yes, he's a jerk, go find another one. Men, you get frustrated in your marriage. It starts to go sideways. You start spilling over, talking about that at at the office with your buddies in your hobby, and they what do they do? They support you. Man, I wouldn't put up with that. I don't know how you put up with that. But in the gospel, in a missional community, they're not going to do that. They're going to point you back to Jesus Christ and his humble leadership and his humble submission to the Father. They're going to call you to repentance. They're going to call you to renewal. They're going to remind you of God's love for you. And I pray they're going to fill you with the courage and the humility that you need in that moment. Now, it's my prayer. Now, listen, I can't hit every question on this topic and I can't answer every I can't answer every question. I can't hit everything. If you have questions, what does this look like? How do I practice this? You can talk to your MC leader, you can talk to your MC, you can come talk to me. I'll be down here after the service. Paul says wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let me pray that the gospel would come home with you today. That our church would be known in this city as a church with strong Jesus-centered marriages and we would be a beacon of hope for our community. Because I do know that a lot of the change that we need starts in the home. Father, We are crooked and we need to be made straight. Our thinking is foggy and we need you to make it clear. Many times we sit in darkness and we need the light of life to illuminate where we're at. We confess as Christians here today, we confess we don't know it all, We don't have the answers, but you do. And so we submit ourselves even right now to your word that teaches us something that maybe we don't like. Maybe that seems foreign. Maybe that seems backwards. Maybe that seems upside down. But if you are God, we should expect such things for your thinking is not our thinking and your ways are not our ways. Father, would you humble our hearts? Would you strengthen our wills to obey you? Would you soften us towards one another and towards you? Would you unite us in love? Would you do this for the good of each marriage that's here, for the good of each missional community that's represented here, for the good of this church, for the hope and the glory and the good of our city, and Father, above all of that, for the glory of your name, would the marriages in this church point to the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus is our true husband and we are the bride of Christ and our marriages somehow point to that. Would you do this good and glorious and gracious work in our hearts? And as we come to the table this morning, we come as sinners who have been made clean, And we've been made clean because your body was broken and your blood was shed and you rose from the dead. And so we come. We bring you our guilt. We bring you our shame. We bring you our brokenness. We bring you our obstinacy. And you give us your body. And you give us your blood. And you speak a better word over us that we are new, that we are in Christ, that we are holy, that we are blameless all because of Jesus. Thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.